All right, welcome to a Friday edition of Locked On Warriors. Today's episode is recorded live on the Locker Room app. I start the show talking about the latest in regards to Kelly Oubre and the loss uh, the Warriors suffered against the Kings last night in Sacramento. And then I open it up to some listener calls. We'll get to a whole bunch of things uh, regarding Kelly Oubre's future, uh, the way that they use James Wiseman, Steve Kerr's coaching job, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, doing a live edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wayne Colbert, Warriors Free Ride of Mercury. The Warriors lost to the Kings 141-119 to last night in Sacramento. No Steph Curry, no Draymond Green, who was out with an illness, but still a disappointing loss against the Kings team that isn't very good. Uh, they gave up 40, 40, or 44 points to Darren Fox. Tyrese Halliburton looked like the best rookie on the court, and the Warriors fall to below 500 for the first time since January 1st. Uh, and there's a few things that we can get to, including why James Wiseman uh, has been struggling and what the Warriors can do about it. But I wanted to start with Kelly Oubre's comments after the game. Oubre, of course, was not traded at the deadline, and so he was asked about his future with the team specifically uh, if he'd be willing to take a lesser role to resign. And he said, Kelly, are you hoping to make uh, the Warriors the team you're with for, for years to come? I would love that. Um, at the end of the day, this is a business. Um, we got through one step. The next step is, um, you know, giving my all to this team so that, you know, we can reach our goals this season. And then this summer, that's another step. So I'm just kind of in the moment right now. And I'm here. I'm a warrior. As far as the future goes, uh, I mean, you know, Clay's coming back and you know the ramifications there. Would you be comfortable staying with the Warriors if it meant coming off the bench next season? I can't uh, speak for the future, brother. So, I mean, you keep asking me questions like I'm a psychic. But at the end of the day, I'm growing. You know, I'm honing in on my skills in this league and I can offer a lot more than, you know, coming off the bench. So. Um, at the end of the day, this is, you know, this is my life. So I can't tell the future. Only God can. Were there any talks with the Warriors about your future or, or you know, before uh, the deadline or no? No. This has got to be concerning for the Warriors and Warriors fans because, you know, I think the smart money would be on Ubre trying to find a starting job somewhere else. And you can't really blame him for that. I mean, this is a guy who came off the bench for the first several seasons of his career. Uh, finally broke through into a starting role last season in Phoenix and um, was traded from Phoenix to Oklahoma City and then from Oklahoma City to Golden State. So it's not like he chose the Warriors or the situation that he would be in. Uh, and he's, you know, in the final year of this contract, going to try to find uh, his next big long-term contract. And there's going to be a lot of teams out there this offseason that have a bunch of money to spend. Uh, let's remember there, there are teams like the New York Knicks and Toronto and Miami that were hoarding cap space in order to make a run at Giannis. And then Giannis signed that extension. So you had a lot of teams that were trying to make a run for Giannis who have all of this money now and not much to do with it because look at the free agent class. There's really not that much there. I mean, Kyle Lowry is the big name and only because he didn't get moved at the deadline. And we kind of know where he's going to end up, right? It's going to be probably Miami or Philadelphia. And so that's going to leave a lot of teams with cap space uh, 
trying to find ways to spend it. And there's a lot worse ways to spend it than on Kelly Oubre, who's a 3-and-D player, still young, very athletic, uh, scores mentality, can help a lot of good playoff-caliber type teams, and could probably find a starting job somewhere else. Uh, you think about a team like Atlanta or New York uh, or Toronto themselves. I mean, teams that could really use a guy like Oubre and can offer him the starting job that the Warriors can't because Clay Thompson is coming back. And so, you know, I don't know if I really buy Kelly Oubre's uh, remark that he had not had conversations with the front office about his future. You would have to think that something was discussed. I, I can't, I can't believe that the Warriors wouldn't have at least said something. And and look, I, I understand if everybody doesn't want to make that public knowledge and doesn't want to commit, like I said, you can't blame him. Why should, why it's again, he didn't choose the Warriors. He, and he owes it to himself this off season to go see what's out there. Um, because we don't even know if the Warriors are going to be willing to pay the same amount of money as another team that has a ton of cap space. The Warriors don't have cap space. They have Kelly Oubre's bird rights and they can match whatever salary, uh, and pay him whatever they want to retain him, but he doesn't have to take that. He can go anywhere he wants. He's unrestricted. And so uh, I do wonder if, um, um, you know, the Warriors made a mistake at the deadline by not dealing Oubre. They, we know that they got offers for Kelly Oubre. To Jack Kennedy's question here, there were reports that the Warriors turned down great offers for Oubre. How much truth was there to this? I don't know. It, it depends on what, it depends on what you think a great offer is. Um, I, I think that that could be defined by anybody looking at it. Um, what I understand is from, from what I understand that they got, I, I wouldn't consider anything a great offer. Like, I don't know. They, they weren't getting a great draft pick back. They weren't getting the, the type of long-term rotation piece uh, back in return. So I, I wouldn't consider any of that stuff a great offer. I mean, there's a reason why the name Danny green came up early on trade deadline day, right? That's, that's the sort of packages I think that they were going to end up having to settle for in order to move Kelly Oubre. Danny Green would, would have been an interesting name, but just like Oubre, he's an unrestricted free agent this offseason, so there's no guarantee in bringing him back either for you know an older player who's clearly on uh, would be a downgrade to Oubre. And so uh, if those were the kind of offers that they were getting, you can understand why they didn't move him. But you'd also I, – I don't know – I wonder how aggressive they were being with Ubre, and um, if a guy like, for example, Chetty Osman was actually on the table, who's under contract for three more years, who's young, who's not as good as Kelly Ubre, but is at least rotation caliber and and under a team friendly deal, you have to wonder if they could have circled back on that and and found something to work there, or if they really just at the end of the day preferred to roll the dice with Ubre and understanding that, Hey, you know what? Kelly Ubre walking away in free agency wouldn't actually be the worst thing. And I think Warriors fans view it as a bad thing. And, and, it, and it would be from a roster construction construction standpoint, because you would be losing his salary cap slot. But uh, this is a, a, let's remember that the Warriors acquired Ubre with a trade exception that they had not planned to use. If not for Clay Thompson's injury, and so you have to wonder if there's some economic concerns at play here where, hey, we can let Kelly Oubre walk away, save 10 to $20 million against the cap and all of the luxury taxes that come with it, you know, 40 to $50 million in luxury taxes or whatever it might be. I think Bobby Marks even reported it could be $80 million in luxury taxes. Um, 
you could save that kind of money and just, hey, try to find rotation. Look, you, you did a good job with Jordan Poole. You did a good job with, you know, Juan Descano Anderson and Damian Lee and these guys. Like, fill in the rotation with those kinds of guys uh, and not necessarily a 10 to $20 million player. Maybe that's something that was of concern of this ownership group. We are now two trade deadlines in a row where it seems like the moves were made with finances in mind. Right. And we know that Joe Lacob is going to come out here all the time and say that he's willing to spend and that everybody in that Warriors organization is going to say, oh, he is always willing to spend if it comes down to winning. And, I, and, and there are signs that that's that's true. There are signs that that uh, w- with the, the initial acquisition of Ubre in the first place, that 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 is so. But you have to wonder if emotions were in play in on the heels of Clay Thompson getting hurt. Right. Um and trying to remain competitive and stay afloat and not, you know, be a lottery team for the second year in a row. But again, two trade deadlines in a row where they didn't make any moves to necessarily upgrade the roster in a meaningful way. We could say that Andrew Wiggins was an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell. I think that much is clear, but it wasn't as clear back then that that would be the case. Uh, Really, you're making that move for the Minnesota pick, which is the right trade. The Warriors are winning that deal. But you look at the other moves that they made, trading Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson, Willie Colley Stein before the deadline to basically get under the, the, the tax and, and the hard cap and all these things. And at this deadline where you move Brad Wanamaker out, you move Marquise Chris out, uh, who, again, nobody's crying over those losses, but they were definitely geared at lowering a luxury tax bill during a season where they're clearly not championship contenders. So now we're two trade deadlines in a row where the main priority was saving money. And so I, with just looking at the facts, people, I don't, I don't know that the Warriors are that enthusiastic about maintaining this pretty expensive salary cap slot that Kelly Oubre is currently occupying. I'm going to take some calls after the break, but first let's talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA season is in full swing, and so is the March Madness Tournament, one of the biggest sporting events of the betting season. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ali, what do you think? Um, I have a little bit of a, a off-topic question. I mean, I, I want to keep Ubre if he's willing to come off the bench, but of course, you know, that's subject to how he feels. But I did have a question pertaining about, I ask you all the time about fans in the arena. I know there's a little bit of an update with the mayor talking about plans. Is there anything additional that you may know of or that you may have heard? All I know is that they that the the city officials have a proposal on their desk from the Warriors that they are looking at. But from what I understand, the, the optimism is in when San Francisco uh, moves into the yellow tier, which is uh, next after the orange tier. Uh, and at that point, um, they think that they could adjust the restrictions under the yellow tier that would allow uh, for indoor sport for fans to attend games and indoor sporting events um right now that's not a part of the yellow tier it's actually they don't mention indoor sporting events at all uh under the guidelines of the yellow tier on the on the california.gov website but the idea i think would be that by the time we approach the yellow tier in san francisco 
uh, that that would be added into it. Uh, so that's where the optimism is, right? Because there's been no ruling on whether or not that would be allowed. So they're hoping that that could be allowed as indoor businesses expand and stuff, uh, you know, with indoor dining and, and things like that being allowed. I think they're just going to monitor how that goes in San Francisco before allowing the indoor sporting events. But from, but, but, you know, everybody seems pretty encouraged and optimistic, especially, you know, with the vaccine rolling out and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. You got it. Cameron, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Wes? Hey, I just had a quick question about, I mean, it's kind of about the Uber stuff. And then also with like Eric Pascal being out of the rotation. Cause like I've been checking out like Pascal's stats and him and Uber's stats are like very similar. If you like look at the per 36 minutes, and so I was just like wondering if Ubre like does walk and leaves the dubs high and dry without like a sign and trade or anything like would is like Pascal kind of like an insurance where like, you know, he'll come off the bench and he could like maybe fill in at the three and you move Wiggins to the two. I think that's definitely a possibility, right? Because if you think about what Ubre brings, you know, a guy who can get to the rim and score in volume and that's kind of what Eric Pascal's thing is, right? I, I don't know. The, the problem with Pascal is that he's not going to replace what Kelly Oubre has on defense. That would be the issue. I actually have been thinking a lot about Eric Pascal now that he's basically out of the rotation, at least for right now. And look, there'll be another time this season where he's back into the rotation. Steve Kerr is not really committed to any one rotation all season long. And by the way, I don't think he should. This team is below 500. I think they're just trying to figure things out. But uh, I wonder if Eric Pascal's future is as a small ball five and that his future isn't necessarily at power forward. And maybe... I don't know, maybe he becomes the new sort of most Spates type of change of pace center. I, You know, they, they lost Marquise Chris to the deadline, haven't backfilled the, the other center spot. And, you know, you've got James Wiseman there. You've got Kevon Looney under under contract for next season. Maybe Pascal's the third center. I, I don't know if, you, if you're assuming that most of the minutes are going to go to Wiseman and Looney in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I appreciate you answering that. I was like, because I know like, the fan base is kind of like split on like what they should do with Pascal and what his role is. And so I was just like wondering, like, cause they're all kind of like the same size, like right. with Draymond, Andrew and, and Kelly and Eric. And so it can, I feel like you can kind of just like switch them out and, and like have him at, at the small ball five and kind of rotate them out. But thanks for answering yeah. that Wes. No, no problem. And, and the last point on that there, I, I think they're going to just sort of be stuck with them. I don't know that they're going to move him. He's under contract. He doesn't have much trade value. So um, and stuck with him seems a little harsh. I mean, he's a good player. I think they're just trying to find where he fits in on this roster. And so they're going to have another probably year to do it. Uh, Lauren, what's up? Hey, Wes. Um, I was just wondering who you like could foresee becoming a disgruntled star that we could possibly package the assets for Ooh. this summer. That's the big question, right? I actually did. I, I was kind of looking at some rosters last night, thinking about this exact question and, I don't know. The big name that everybody wants wants to get moved is Bradley Beal, but you know, I'm kind of sick of talking about Bradley Beal. It doesn't sound like he's going to move anywhere. He's trying to do the Damian Lillard thing in Portland. So uh, I was looking at a guy like Pascal Siakam out of Toronto. I don't know that he would be disgruntled necessarily, but if the Raptors are really going to go full tilt into this rebuild, you know, Pascal Siakam's definitely young. But if you're the Warriors and you can offer a package of Wiseman and the Minnesota pick for Siakam, I think if you're the Raptors, you would have to at least consider it. Now, I don't know if that's worth it for the Warriors because Siakam has some redundancies with Draymond Green, and I don't know that you want to play him at small forward. I don't think that that's necessarily his best position. He's mostly a 4-5, not a 3-4, but um, you know he's definitely a volume scorer. He can do a lot of things. He's a high-level defender. 
he's a really good player who would be helpful right away if you could figure out how to make it work fit-wise. But uh, maybe you could do like Andrew Wiggins and Wiseman or Wiggins and the Minnesota pick or something like that for Siakam. Um, and then other than that, I, I don't, I just, I don't know who it's going to be. And I think my concern would be, uh, all right, you got the Warriors in play here and they can offer a big contract like Wiggins. And they obviously have a young player like James Wiseman, you know, blue chip type prospects. They have the Minnesota pick uh, as a major asset, but then you've got Oklahoma city sitting here with 34 draft picks in the next seven drafts. You've got new Orleans sitting here with uh, a bunch of draft picks of their own and some guys that they can move like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball that they can put into the deal. The Warriors are going to have some competition for whoever this disgruntled star is. And, and um, I'm not saying that they can't get it. I still think Wiseman and, Minnes- and, and Minnesota pick are as good of a package as, as it's out there. But uh, I just don't know who that is. I, I really don't. It, it's kind of weird. Um, unless somebody that we're not thinking of shakes loose, I have no idea. I really don't. And I don't think that if you're the Warriors, you can even bet on that anymore. Um, I think you need to try to figure out how to make it work with this group absent, um, you know, a new superstar. You just got to try to figure it out when Clay Thompson comes back and how to supplement the roster the right way. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, Wes, I just have a question. What is the front office's plan for the next year and the future? <laughs> I have the same question, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, if they want to maximize Steph Curry's prime, then they have to be looking for that kind of trade that Lauren was talking about. But um, everything that I see is that they want to, I get the sense that they want to kind of get the their salary cap under control, clear the books a little bit, not have they don't want to have the most expensive payroll in the league. I don't. Nobody would want to have that. I don't think for anything that's less than a championship contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also, you know, they want to be the next Spurs, right? They want to be competitive now and in twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty eight and twenty thirty. Like that's that seems to be the priority. Is they want to just give themselves a chance every year and look maybe that works out and it breaks right and you win another title or two over the next 10 years and if that's what they want to do great but um i don't but they also don't want to go all in right now uh on steph curry's championship window and you know they could say that they're all in they could say that they want to maximize steph's window and that he's still in his prime and all these things but they just simply have not done that and um i i just I think that's where they're at. That, that that really is the goal is just sustained success. Put a playoff caliber team uh, that can make a run in the title, you know, every few years in the brand new Chase Center arena. That to me, that sounds to me like what that, that appears to me to be what the goal is right now. And then uh, my second question was, is there a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff? You have to wonder. Um, I don't, I don't have any reporting on this, but Steve Kerr's waffling with James Wiseman's role and minutes leads me to believe. And then there's the sudden insertion of him into the starting lineup when Steph, when it was, uh, when it was apparent that Steph was going to miss a substantial amount of time with this tailbone injury. It just appears to me from the out, from the outside, not having done the reporting, that yeah, that probably is the case, and that Steve Kerr wants to win, and that um, all along that he said that basically the Warriors are uh, oh Andre Drummond is agreeing to a contract buyout. Shams, okay, not coming to the Warriors though. Um, 
No, it appears to me that, you know, he's he's said the line of Wiseman's going to be the starter. Wiseman's going to be the starter. We've heard that from Steve Kerr all season long. Wiseman will be the starter. He needs to get minutes, but he will be eventually the starter without giving a timeline or any sort of details specifically on what, when or, or what that will look like. And I think he was saying that in large part to, and again, me guessing, uh, to pacify the front office, to let them know, hey, look, he will be the starter, but let me let me take the reins here and I'll decide when he gets in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just feels like maybe that there was some pressure to get him into that starting lineup. And there was an understanding from this front office that, you know, this team just ain't it. You know, this is not going to be a, a championship team or maybe even necessarily a, uh, a bona fide playoff team. All right. Thanks, Wes. I'll be right back. But first, I've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is time for Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is between cookie dough chunk and birthday cake. And I am going to go with birthday cake here as longtime listeners of this program and people who have heard this ad read before. I don't understand the obsession with cookie dough-flavored things. I don't understand the obsession with cookie dough as a concept in general. I am going to die on this hill. Cookie dough should just be cookies. You're one step away from something delicious. I don't know why we just eat it raw. So I'm, I'm going to strike down cookie dough chunk here in my vote and go with birthday cake. You can do your own vote at BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. And remember, while you're at BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED1515 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. George, what's up? Hey, um, so my question is, since the trade deadline's over, well, who are realistic buyout guys? Like, I know we hear about Drummond and Aldridge and all the big guys, but those guys aren't coming to Golden State. So who can we expect maybe? Oh, uh, Jeff Teague maybe? Um, I mean, it's not going to be anything that excites the fan base, um, unfortunately. I think, look, they've got a little bit of a void at backup, uh, backup point guard and backup center that I think they can look to address. This team needs a... This team needs another big man because uh, once Wiseman or Looney gets injured again, you're you're severely undermanned at that position. So maybe they look in that direction. I just don't know who the buyout candidates are outside of Andre Drummond. Um, it seems like JaVale McGee is going to stick uh, in Denver. I, I don't know um, what the plan is for guys. Like, do you can you do a Myers Leonard thing? I don't, I don't know that Myers Leonard gets another NBA job, you know, and I, and, and maybe rightly so. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, a guy like Jeff Teague might be a direction that they look at, but that's just me guessing. I do think that one of these spots ends up going to Juan Descano Anderson by the end of the year. Uh, I think they promote him to the 15 man roster by the end of the season. And they could do that. They could do it with Nico Mannion if they want, but it's, e- it's easy enough just to convert him to the 15 man roster uh, over the off season, uh, because he's on that rookie scale contract. So, you know, maybe they sign somebody, um, into a 14th spot to a non-guaranteed deal. May- again, maybe it's like a Jeff Teague type. And then, uh, or, or they kind of do that, that parade of 10 day contracts like they did toward the end of last season and just maybe try to find a rotation piece that way. Um, maybe two names that I thought of maybe Hassan Whiteside or Jabari mm-hmm. Parker, since they're free and probably easy to get. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like that roll the dice kind of thing they did last year with Dragon Bender would be Jabari Parker. I don't mind it. I mean, you might as well bring him in, see what he looks like. You know, maybe he's your next Kelly Oubre. I mean, he's not, but I, I, that would be the thinking, right? If it would be a buy low, you know, no risk type of proposition. Jabari Parker is an interesting name. It's one that I included in my article uh, yesterday, breaking down the deadline. And then Hassan Whiteside. Look, if you're really, 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 really desperate for a center who can play some spot minutes for you, I guess Whiteside would make a little bit of sense there. Uh, I just don't know how stoked Whiteside would be about taking that type of role. Even if he should, I think that that's kind of where his future is. But we've also heard that maybe the Lakers could get involved or somebody like that. And if that's the case, those teams probably have a better chance of getting Whiteside. Um, But it's something that they should definitely kind of look at. Um, I just, again, I don't know that Whiteside would be uh, stoked to kind of sit on the bench and just wait for Wiseman or Kaval Mooney to get injured. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Um, We talked about Wiseman a little bit, and I did want to just sort of mention here um, just some of the frustrations that he was dealing with last night that was pretty apparent. And there was a moment there in the second half where he walked off the court, Juan Descano Anderson and Eric Paschal. It was Wiseman that picked up his fourth foul, and then Juan Descano Anderson and Paschal kind of took him aside, had to talk him down a little bit, clearly frustrated. And we've seen moments like this throughout his rookie season. Uh, but it's getting to the point where I think something's got to give on offense because if you're going to start him, and we understand that maybe there is some front office pressure to put Wiseman in that starting lineup, and that Steve Kerr is a devout, you know, ball movement, motion heavy, read and react offense guy, and has largely stiff armed the idea of a pick and roll type of offense. But you got to think at some point you drafted this guy, James Wiseman, at number two overall, uh, in order to. Um, you know, kind of bridge the gap between your present and future. And if you want to get this guy, if you want to maximize his skill set, you're going to have to do it with some pick and roll and pick and pop actions because that's what he's best at. And right now they're just asking him to do the occasional post up and kind of just be Zaza Pachulia. And if that's what you want it, great. But you could have found that in free agency. You could have went out and signed Mason Plumley if that's all you wanted. But you drafted this guy second overall. You got to tweak the offense a little bit if you're going, uh, if you're going to maximize him, we've got some new speakers here, Defoe uh, and MJ. Uh, what do we got? Hey, Wise. Thank you for doing this. I think mm-hmm. um, our question will be in regards to Steve Kerr in general. I wanted to know, do you think he's the coach for the current roster? And if he's not, will the FO think about changing coach? Uh. No, I think Steve Kerr is uh, the front office and the ownership group is is loyal to Steve Kerr. And I think Steve Kerr has got he has this job as long as he wants this job. Um, and look, I, I think that Steve Kerr is is it's fair to criticize what he's done. And I think there's certainly things that he has done wrong, and he would acknowledge that he has acknowledged that. Uh, but he's growing with this roster just as much as this roster is growing with him, right? This idea of trying to figure out how to use James Wiseman. This is not something he's ever had to deal with as a coach, right? He uh, took a job in Golden State in 2014 that had an MVP type of player in Steph Curry and -and up-and-coming all-stars, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, a team that eventually acquired Kevin Durant. This was That job back then was putting the puzzle pieces in place that he had, the the all-star level pieces that he was working with, and massaging and managing egos, right? That was his job. He did a great job of it, which was evidenced by five straight finals runs. 
this is a new job entirely for him. He kind of was hired into a new job and, uh, and he's, he's learning on, on the fly, right? He is learning very much on the job, how to do this and how to develop, you know, young players and all these things. So I think you, he has deserved a grace period. I think going to five straight finals, he's earned that right. Uh, and the right to figure it out on the go, the way that he's, the way that he's basically had to. Um, okay. Oh, go ahead. You're, you're welcome. Uh, go ahead. Oh, hi, Uves. Thank you for the approval. Okay, so I have a question. So how likely do you think we'll resign Marquis back to our roster next off-season in a few months' time? Do you think that's likely? You're welcome. Um, I don't know. I don't know that Mark. I don't know what the role for Marquis Chris would be with the Warriors next year. And this is somebody who probably wants to play and increases value in the league. And if the Warriors were to re-sign Marquis Chris, I mean, he's behind James Wiseman and Kevon Looney unless they move on from Looney. And if they do move on from Looney, I would imagine that they would try to replace Looney with somebody else and not Marquis Chris with you know another big body type of center. Um, look, I think Marquis Chris was very much loved in that locker room. It was hard to see him go great lot. Again, great locker room presence, great presence on the team, lighthearted kind of guy. And a guy who personally I rooted for, because when he got to golden state, he was not in a good place, right? He had been rejected by three teams. He had been a former lottery pick that was on, you know, borderline out of the league before the warriors gave him a, a training camp invite. And he turned that training camp invite into a roster spot. And, and he and he stuck it out. And and the way that he was personally dealing with him uh, at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, he was just not in a good way, kind of depressed, uh, kind of just not very enjoyable to be around. And by the end of the year, he was one of the most lighthearted guys, you know, joyful guys on the team. And so I think that everybody in that on that team was rooting for him and things. And when he broke his leg, I, I, I had conversations with several people on the staff and in the front office that were really, really hurt for him uh, because it felt like he was finally starting to find a spot in the NBA. I think partly him going to San Antonio is a good move for him because they're going to have minutes, right? They're, LaMarcus Aldridge, they're going to buy him out. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity for him there possibly next year if they want to bring him back. And uh, if he fits in from, again, he's still rehabbing from this broken leg, but if he fits in in the locker room culture, if he's able to make the most out of that situation, um, you know, I'll, we'll see if he's even going to go to San Antonio, if he's going to continue to rehab here in the Bay for now. But, um, you know, I think that, I think that he'll have another opportunity somewhere. Somebody will give him another training camp invite and it'll just be about making the most of it. But I just don't really see it happening. Uh, in Golden State because I think they're just going to go in another direction at the center position. Um, okay, thank you. That's a base though because I remember like according to latest Kerr's comment on Marquis, he didn't really tell anything much about Marquis' progression. So yeah, it's a sad thing to see him go. I think especially Clay, I think he commented on Marquis' Instagram profile too. So thank you for the answer. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. Looney has a player option, right? This upcoming year. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way he opts out of that, right? No way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a it's a player option about five million dollars, and and if he opts out, I mean, this is a guy that probably is looking at minimum type of salaries right now, mm-hmm. um, based on his injury history and just you know, 
I think he's a good bit player for the Warriors, but I don't, you know, it's his value is very much just sort of knowing the system right now. Um, yeah, he's that's that's the easiest call in the league right now is him opting in. Well, what do you think about like a, in the Aussies, like a Wiggins for Al Horford swap? Because that would give Uber the starting spot he wants, so he'll probably stay, and that gives you like a legitimate starting good center. I I don't know that. Horford is the answer if this front office is really convinced that Wiseman has to play more minutes and not less minutes. Uh, although I like I like the idea, and I actually had uh, somebody who works for another franchise just sort of randomly text me a month ago or so saying that they should trade James Wiseman for Al Horford. And I was like, well, there's no way that's ever happening. Uh, even if that might be you know a, a win-now type of move, they're, they're just completely in on James Wiseman's ceiling right now. But... Um, you know, I think that you're uh, you're kind of hitting something interesting that I've sort of been thinking about. Is if you trade Andrew Wiggins, was that really the gamble in Kelly Oubre? If you're the Warriors, do you like Kelly Oubre's long term fit more than Wiggins? Uh, do you feel like you can re-sign Oubre at fifteen and even twenty million dollars a year? That's still cheaper than what Wiggins is going to cost you, and he gives you a little bit more of a scoring punch, uh, a little bit more of that mindset that you might be looking for that you're not really getting from Wiggins. Can you move Wiggins for another player or maybe two players? Maybe you split Wiggins' salary into two separate contracts to round out the bench, uh, and then you re-sign Kelly Oubre. That's what I think had to enter at least partially the front office's thinking when deciding whether or not to move Kelly Oubre for just pennies on the dollar. Uh, But in not moving him, they at least keep that option open. And you'd have to think that that had to be under consideration. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, do, would you rather have Ubre at his price or Wiggins at his price? And I think it's probably Ubre at his price. Is that even a question? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely Ubre at, at the price that he's going to get uh, versus Wiggins. And I, again, I don't know that Wiggins is a worse player in a vacuum than Kelly Ubre, But if, even if they're even, then yeah, you, you always take the cheaper player, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. You got it, Ryan. Um, all right, I think I'm going to wrap it up there for like this post-trade deadline uh, Warriors-Kings recap and all-encompassing Warriors talk conversation. Thanks to everybody who joined in. Really appreciate it. Uh, doing these on Locker Room every week, at least once a week. Follow the podcast, Locked on Warriors. Subscribe, follow all the things that you do with podcasts. Thanks for listening. All right, that'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayareanewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I'll see you here next week.